Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every Nars? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Head cannon. Head Welcome cannon. to Head Tonight we have a very special guest returning. We, we love this guy. We've done what movies did we do? Oh, we did the the first two of uh, John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, right? We did the thing, and then we did uh, not in the mouth of mad. What's the second one? Prince of Darkness, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Mister John King, welcome back. It's good to have you. Hi guys, glad to be back. Yeah, how have you been? I've been I've been okay. Been up and down. Uh, you know, haven't really felt like watching In the Mouth of Madness. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we already. You know what? It was it was kind of and just as a reminder to myself and so everybody knows. Um, we we were talking about headphones and kind of stuff before we started co- recording. But then no, we actually what one of our we had another guest who was coming on, and you had kind of mentioned wanting to do the serpent and the rainbow. And she wanted to do In the Mouth of Madness because it was around the time that last Doctor Strange movie came out. Doctor Strange in the in the Mouth of Mad or no Multiverse of Madness, and uh, the, the Multiverse of Mouths, the mouth, the Multiverse of Mouths, yeah, and and right ears. That's just all. <laughs> it's just all mouths and right ears all the way down. Uh, <laughs> um, I heard that when Van Gogh cut his own ear off, they put another right ear on it. <laughs> right, they were he was like, like, God damn it. <clears throat> They're like, we have a donor ear, but it's only a right. It's we only have another right. That's all we have in inventory right now. <laughs> and his name, yeah, this dude named Sonny. <laughs> this fucking guy, <laughs> random guy named Sonny. <laughs> oh man, how about you, Brent? What have you been up to? Oh, I um, I helped my wife put on a birthday party for a third grader and all of her friends um we 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 uh we bought the entire back row of a theater oh nice 12 12 kids you know got and then um we watched we watched uh i'll get it wrong but uh superhero pets dc superhero super super pets is that what it's called yeah this new movie it was very funny but there was a reference to a podcast that I've never seen a podcast referenced in a movie, let alone a kid's movie before. So Lex Luthor's in it, and it's voiced by Mark Marin. Okay. Are you guys familiar with his podcast at all? Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar at the with very, him. At the very beginning of his podcast, like right before it even begins, 
um, it's Mark Marin shouting, and I think it's a line from a movie he was in, but he shouts, shut the gates! And then there's like a guitar riff, right? Okay. Well, well, Lex Luthor's in it, and it's Mark Marin's voice. Um, Kate McKinnon plays his like pet counterpart, which is a, a hairless um, guinea pig, which I never <laughs> knew that was a thing, but they are a thing. And, it's, and she's a very funny character or whatever. But in it, there's a part where she's like in control of the lair and she goes, shut the gates. And like these like these doors close. <laughs> and, there, and there wasn't like a pause for like, huh? Like at all. It was just like this. It just like was rolled over. And I thought, oh, that's a that's a podcast reference. That's awesome. That's fun. And only like point zero zero two percent of people who watch that movie will ever get it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah was, you, you, you know, yeah, anyway. the the only other thing I can really think of is uh, Tusk, right? Which Kevin Smith made based on off of a podcast bit. Remember? <laughs> Which that was a whole. I remember. I, I remember. I listened to that podcast the day it came out, and it was so funny, and it was so neat to because if you listen to subsequent podcasts. It's about, yeah, cool. You got that movie. Yeah, nice. So no, nice. Podcast, after they came up with that idea, they came up with that idea just like in in real time. And then like they would bring updates on it or whatever. They they came up with like a Twitter tag that was like, it was like a hashtag Tusk or no Tusk or something like right. that. And of course, Tusk won. And then they. That's, uh, yeah, that's so yeah. why I can't, I'm going to put that on our list to cover on this podcast because that's such like, it's such a weird, fun movie and it's such a weird story behind that movie, you know, that it has a podcast yeah. origin. <laughs> I didn't even know Johnny Depp was in it until like halfway through, maybe over halfway, because I think he comes in halfway through. Something I mean, like, like way too long. I was like, wait, that's Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh yeah, because he's in like, the, what's he got? He's got like a prosthetic nose and shit, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was all that one podcast. They they wove in like this guy who gets stranded on an island, and and all he has for a friend is a walrus, and then like and then they're just building just him and his and his friend are just like building off of each other, and then they're like and they're bringing in like other ideas because they're obsessed with Canada, right? And so they're just building up with like Jean Lapointe who, or whatever, who's like who's this like detective or whatever. They just bring him into the story in real time. It's really wild. They wrote like the entire movie <laughs> during, like, while recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was a freaking genius. There've been a few. Uh, there, there've been a few podcast, not podcasts, but uh, films that came from ideas that were just like what and but it seems like whoever came up with the idea was like yeah i'd watch the hell out of that movie i'd watch that any day like and i've and in the wake of this um this new predator movie prey coming out and it like taking off it's it's brilliant it's so yeah. good yeah. um for what it is i mean it's it's not gonna it's not gonna get any oscar love but it's gonna get like a lot of people who, who love that franchise are gonna love this movie and i saw this tweet which was you know, if, if anything, you know, Prey has taught us you can take the Predator or the alien xenomorph or any anybody from a franchise and just drop them in, you know, feudal Japan yes. or, you know, uh, medieval England or just wherever you want. Yeah. And have them wreak havoc in a different time period. Um, and people will watch it. I, yeah. I'd watch yeah. an anthology series of that. At twelve episodes of the Predator showing up somewhere else this time. <laughs> yeah. And no, that's Br exactly what's going on on social media right now. That whole feudal Japan thing, like I've seen a couple different like memes about yeah. like let's just drop the, the Predator there and see what happens. Yeah, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we got that movie 
to be honest. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the next, or, you know, if we got a Predator. And actually, we, uh, John, we just, last week we recorded, for anybody listening to this, this episode probably came out a couple months ago, but but Brent and I, we were talking about Prey last week, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, we loved it. And we said, so, yeah, the, the exact same thing that, yeah, drop them in feudal Japan, whatever, like, it would be a riot, you know? So. You can even, like, recreate movies by just, like, dropping a predator in there, you know? Wait, like, so wait, like, there's a, somebody puts a bomb on a bus, and it can't go below 50 miles an hour, and it'll, or it'll explode, and then the predator gets on to help. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gotta, like, he's help, gonna help He's gotta help them, like, get the bomb off the bus, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, he's on the phone with Dennis Hopper, and he's like, give me my money! You know, and the predator's just, <laughs> the predator's just like... I'm doing a little clicking noise. You can't hear. I'm doing a little clicking noises. <laughs> but it's, it's right spot on. They don't go, they're not allowed, those predators. No, it's very like, <laughs> very soft. Like a cat, like purring like a kitten, you know? You can, you can take a predator and drop him in like 1955 Hill Valley. Okay. Oh, that's have a good him, idea. Have him like break up Marty McFly's parents. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. I don't know. He gets in the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the sports almanac and he goes to the races and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> he becomes Predator Biff in the future. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Marty's mom is married to him. He's like, he's like, mom, you can't, you got to divorce this guy. He's, he's, he's which a predator. That, bites the head off of Biff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> you gotta divorce this guy. <laughs> you can't. You can't stay married to a predator, mom. He's abusive. <laughs> right. In Marty's picture, people's limbs keep disappearing yeah. because the predator keeps eating them. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And then, and then the predator, instead of disappearing completely, he just goes like that kind of like translucent camouflage effect. You know. <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> that's my that's my retroactive headcanon <laughs> I'll, I'll edit it into last week <laughs> i mean as long as we're putting the predator wherever the predator can be in any headcanon uh yeah just drop him into you oh know God. whatever happened to scarlet o'hara after the girl after the gone with the wind thing people who oh, yeah. scarlet was the miniseries or whatever but yeah no man like what what happens after <laughs> frankly my dear i don't give a damn Right. She tomorrow's another day, and then she meets the predator, and I I don't know. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, is that, is that the same movie where like he's teaching her how to read? Like you had like a bog monster sketch. I like, did a long time ago, Corey. Oh, where, like yeah, was it the one where the bog? <laughs> I don't know. He was teaching her to read, but the bog monster was just like <laughs> like something like that. What, what was that? A, What's that a spoof of? What is it a play? Is it a musical? Damn it! Oh, Sorry, man. John. I don't. I can't remember. It was. It was something. It was like a love story where the woman was like, okay. "Oh, bog monster." Yeah, you. I. I. I don't okay. think it was Gone with the Wind. Oh god. Okay. Oh god, that's been a long time ago. I don't remember. Oh, I know. What was, was it? Um, the Emperor. Uh, what's the the famous musical where the Emperor of like the Thai Emperor or was the King and I? The King and I. Yeah. I think it might be. Is it that? Anyway, sorry. Uh, I, I I remember the character of the bog monster. I don't I don't remember much else. It's been a long time. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I just remember her being like, I love you, Bog Monster. We'll be together forever. And then he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> She's like teaching him how to read or something. <laughs> I mean, that's basically The Shape of Water, the Del Toro film. You know, I still, I fucking, I love Del Toro. The main, yeah. the, John, uh, Doug Jones has been on our podcast. I own that movie. I still have not seen it. that. I haven't seen, I don't know why I haven't watched that movie. I just haven't. And it's probably really good. It is. I've heard it's great. I've never yeah. watched I it. I liked it. It's fine. It's good. Yeah, I'll watch it. I'm like, I'm mad at myself right now that I haven't watched it yet. I don't know why. I just haven't. Yeah. You should watch it. I should watch it. <laughs> God, why haven't I watched? <laughs> 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 but, the shape of my heart is in the water <laughs> oh man and then i was gonna try to get the predator in there but um right. but anyway but tonight we're here to talk about predator in the shape of water 19... <laughs> yeah exactly it's just yeah the a woman falls in love with the predator instead of <laughs> it's like get me out of this water <laughs> was the context because he can't speak english right yeah <laughs> I'm in this weird shape of water. It's a cylinder, I think. Is he in a cylinder? I believe yes. it's cylindrical. <laughs> that is the shape of my water. <laughs> oh, man. I'm in a weird mood, sorry. No, it's good. It's good. But so tonight, we're here to talk about Wes Craven's 1988 movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Oh, and you have the, a cool-ass looking, what is that, a Blu-ray? This is oh, the cool. yep, this is the Scream Factory Collector's Edition Blu-ray, oh, which cool. came out a few years ago, um, nineteen eighty-seven. Um, okay, that does according look good. To the, according to the sleeve, I believe it. Uh, yeah. The uh, as an audio podcast, so the viewer, the listeners at home, the viewers at home won't be able to see this because they'll just be looking at their device. <laughs> look it up. It has, it's really good art. it has reversible artwork, as is the custom of Scream Factory. Oh, nice. So you can go with the original artwork with Bill Pullman, Don't Let Them Bury Me, I'm Not Dead. Uh (laughs) Or the new commissioned artwork with the creepy, uh, desiccated old lady. That new artwork looks pretty badass. It's yeah. it's pretty cool. It looks a bit like uh, like a metal album cover or something. It's <laughs> it's got kind of a I don't know something something with Christopher Lee on vocals. Yeah, it's shed the blood of the Saxon men. That thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a solid uh, it's a solid edition. If you're into physical media at all, as as I have been accused of, yeah. Uh, it's you know there's some extra goodies on here. There's some newer contemporary interviews with the cast, um, Bill Pullman and uh, Kathy Tyson that played the the um, the woman that ran the clinic. Yeah, uh, yeah. A few other people, a lot of crew members. Um, unfortunately, not Wes Craven, but because um, they filmed it after he passed. Uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, I also. Um, watched and, and maybe this is a plug for something related i don't know there's a series on shutter called cursed films okay is it cursed films or cursed movies i think it's cursed films um series two episode four um is about the serpent and the rainbow the premise of the series is um they tell the backstory the sort of making of and the struggles that they had making certain movies Okay. Uh, thing, the weird things that happened on set, the, the things that people thought this movie's cursed, kind of stuff. Um, the first episode is The Exorcist. Okay, that makes that makes sense. 
So they was, had to start with with the granddaddy, and then was Pol- is Pol- they through. Is Poltergeist on there anywhere? Um, I think. Oh, I haven't looked at all of them, but I think it's in there because because there's this talk about. Um, I, I feel like there was talk about the, on Poltergeist. There was they were using actual human bones or something. Oh, really? Um, well, and I'm... there's some like in the Serpent and the Rainbow, they used human bones. There was a the the prop people needed stuff to build like in the piles of skulls and whatever and they they gave it money to this woman to go off and procure this stuff and she came back with bones and they realized uh these are real and what she'd done she'd gone and robbed a grave <laughs> oh jesus and they, so they yeah, used it <laughs> so they used it in the movie they were like that's well, a lot of the stuff that's in the movie like those are real oh uh, jesus they're like well waste not want not we got these bones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in for penny, in for pound. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they were, yeah, they were definitely like using stuff and then realizing later, like, oh, you know, or or knowing in the moment, but they're like, eh, whatever, we're in Haiti. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's it's wild that they filmed this like right, like the subject matter of this, which is Baby Doc. When I I, I had like I I know who Papa Doc is. Like I was vaguely aware of the history of Haiti. Uh, but I, I'm not an expert at all. Like all this stuff is just stuff I read today, but, but the fact that they filmed this right after his son, baby doc was like basically run out of Haiti. And then like they, what they filmed part of it in Haiti. And then the, the Haitian government was like, yo, we don't, we don't know if we could assure your safety. It's kind of getting dangerous. So they like filmed the rest of it in the Dominican Republic. Right. And yeah, there was a moment on set where, um, they rounded up about 2000, or more extras for this bigger sequence. And there were people among the extras that, that, it, you know, it slipped how much they were getting paid as opposed to how some, how much some other extras were getting paid. And there was a disparity oh. and it was, it was enough that, you know, in 1980s dollars in Haiti, people were getting upset because, you know, the, 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 at the time, I think the, the thing that I was watching said that, you know, the, one of the best jobs you could get was cutting sugar cane all day for like a dollar a day. Okay. And these people that were on set were getting, some of them were getting like $3 a day. Uh, and some of these other folks weren't. And so all these folks, as soon as the income disparity came out or the pay disparity, um, there were, there was some anger on set. And yeah. one of the producers, I think got up on, a platform of some sort with a bullhorn and was trying to talk to the crowd and he looked down and realized they were all holding rocks and 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 it just got really tense and really like kind of weird and they knew then that they had to get the hell out of there and so they basically just left uh, i don't even know if they if they left the equipment behind or not it's obviously they got the film out but um I don't know what the cost was or what, you know, what they lost in the process. I, I don't think anyone was killed, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't quote me on that, but I guess they immediately went to an airport, got on a plane and flew to the Dominican Republic and finished the movie there. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> well, and that's, no, that, and... that, I was gonna say that curse films episode is pretty worthy. It's only 40, 45 minutes or something. Uh, it's pretty worthy watch. It's stuff that's not covered here because mm-hmm. I think they wanted to maybe dodge some of that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like <laughs> that makes maybe sense. Necessarily talk about it. <laughs> some of it's in there. Some of it right, comes up. Right in the up. Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. that's why you and can't it... really talk about the making of this movie without talking about Haiti and what was going on and, and the troubles that they had making the movie. Yeah. Well, and I and I thought it was interesting at first when I was watching this movie. 
there's a, because I, I like Wes Craven, you know, I love the screen movies, nightmare on Elm street, obviously is a classic. And on this podcast before we covered, um, uh, the people under the stairs, which, which I really enjoyed. I really like that movie. And, yep. but so at first when you kind of start getting into all the voodoo stuff and you know, it's made by this like white guy in, 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 in the late eighties, I was like, I was like, Oh man, I don't know. Like how, you know, cause it's, I feel like that stuff is easy to like, Oh, voodoo, like, you know, and just kind of caricature it. Oh, right. But... There's a dude with, like, a bone in his nose or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. horrible shit like that, yeah. Yeah, but, I, but I, like, and I, and, and I, again, I'm no expert on Haiti or voodoo, and right. the few uh, YouTube videos I watched earlier about this were other white guys, so... Uh, but it did, it felt to me like what Wes Craven was trying to be respectful of it, like, and, and see it as a religion that is practiced and um you know and as with any religion you'll have people who take advantage of it and take advantage of uh people and and use it for nefarious purposes um like weekend at bernie's too like i was i was thinking of that movie exactly yeah (laughs) it it totally made it like a cartoon yeah someone's religion yeah yeah (laughs) which dude i watched i watched weekend at bernie's the first one with my daughter uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. Dude, she fucking loves that. She loves that movie so much. We we got to watch yeah. a second one. We haven't watched a second one yet, but. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> that's why I don't think my kid is there yet. He's he's just eight. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe a little young, maybe. Um, There's really not that. It's not. Mm, no, that's semantics. I don't know. Well, you, you think something's going to be okay, and then you, you, know, you put it all yeah. on, and then there's language that was. Like a buddy of mine put on the Monster Squad for. You know, because he saw it was streaming somewhere. He put on the Monster Squad, remembering all the great Wolfman's got nards kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, and just the, then you just, forget, like, give me the amulet, you bitch. And he's talking to a little girl. Yeah. Um. Uh, the number of uh, that the other f word. Um, yeah. Oh, double, that's right. Double G in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so easy to forget sometimes. Yeah. It's terrible. Uh, they're like running around calling each other that for the first twenty minutes or so. And he's like, forget it, buddy. We'll watch something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, do, yeah. and both both of I like. The first two Bill and Ted movies, they both have one instance of that word. And I love both of those movies so much, but you get to that word and it's like, oh, come on, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it would be so easy to just dub it. Yeah. You know? And I, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, you can't erase history. And I, I'm, I, I can't, like, I'm, I'm on the fence about the Warner Brothers cartoons sometimes because I love actually that, um, that disclaimer that they put in front of the yeah. old school Warner Brothers cartoons, you know, to 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 change it would be to erase it or pretend it never had happened, and oh. blah blah blah. You can't whitewash it. And yeah, this is different though. This is yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's a tough because like you know, with Disney, like you, it's hard to find Song of the South or whatever. Like when it's companies like suppressing things they did in the past, you in the past, you almost feel like it's a cover cover up job, right? Like uh. Like Ben Affleck when he he tried to cover up his his ancestor on that TV show or whatever, right? But <laughs> but with I don't know with something like Bill and Ted, it's like one word in the mid like I don't know. It's like you're you're not you're not watching Bill and Ted to learn about the struggle of like right. you know of 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 the LGBTQ community throughout history. It's like it's fucking Bill and Ted. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. They're not the smartest dudes in the, you know, right. Yeah. It's like, is, is removing that word gonna, I don't know. Yeah. It's odd. E.T. did something like that, right? They, um, 
the, the scene in E.T. where the boys are on the bikes and they like fly over the FBI people. Oh, yeah. They edited out their guns and put walkie talkies. Yeah. In, in their hands. I saw that. Which yeah. I, okay. I mean, I don't know if it adds or takes away or anything. <laughs> so weird. This is one that I, I was kind of impressed at how well it had aged. Um, yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. It felt like you know, I didn't. I didn't really find myself watching it and going, you know, that wouldn't fly today, kind yeah. of stuff. Um, in fact, some of the stuff, the, the special effects, the jump scares, um, the suspenseful stuff, you know, I think it was just as chilling as anything I've seen recently. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a it's a horror film, but it's not a horror film in in like in the sense of, of like any other horror film that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because when you start weaving religion together with horror, um, this is another thing that the Curse Films episode talks about is how horror and religion can be connected pretty easily. And you can get it a really, uh, you can get a really strong visceral response out of people uh, with stuff like The Exorcist or uh, even something like the Amityville Horror, which that's a combination of religion and, you know, something is in your house, which I guess The Exorcist does too. But um, this yeah. is, this is a whole different religion that a lot of people in Western culture don't know anything about. And right. what you do know about it is probably, you know, the cartoonish, um, you know, sticking pins and voodoo dolls. Right. Kind of stuff. Weekend, weekend at Bernie's too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this there's, I didn't remember, I don't remember seeing anything like that in this. Um, some of the, the, the whole premise of the thing is, is, you know, this guy goes to Haiti to do research on this zombification drug mm-hmm. that has been, developed and it's it's sort of like folk medicine but you know this guy knows how to make people seem dead and they they're thinking about it in terms of you know what can we do for anesthesia well i don't want to be i don't want to i don't want anesthesia that's going to make me awake for the surgery and feel everything and not be able to do or say anything right (laughs) no that's awful that's like the horror stories of anesthesia where you you hear people every now and then say things like oh yeah i was awake for the whole thing i couldn't do anything oh my god what a nightmare yeah Uh, but this has got like it's got some some serious jumps in it it's got just the strange eerie atmosphere about it but it's one of those films i remember seeing the trailer for i don't know if you guys took a moment watch the trailer on youtube either Mm -hmm. but that's that's a it's one of the best trailers um this movie and um, Jacob's Ladder came out around the same time. Okay, at least yeah. in, in oh, my own head. Yeah, I think I think Jacob's Ladder was ninety. I think. Did yeah. we do an episode on that yet? We did. Yeah, we talked about that with Octopus so. Caveman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. I think I have. Maybe I do have it. I don't remember. But um, anyway, I remember like for whatever reason, those two films get locked in my head. It's is very um, well. The main character is hallucinating. Yeah, yeah. For a lot of it, and right, um, they it sort of got entwined and, and tim robbins and bill pullman you know when you're 12 years old yeah like what? kind of similar dudes yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> glad i didn't say bill paxton there um, <laughs> same same thing there with that guy too yeah yeah well they're, yeah and they're both uh both of these movies are movies i really didn't have any awareness of until octopus caveman mentioned uh jacob's ladder and then you brought this one to us and i movies i was re- largely unaware of hadn't seen or anything and really enjoyed watching both of them like i, I was like man how like these are these are great movies you know for anybody who's, who's interested in this kind of thing is like definitely something they should see yeah, yeah. Like, like i was saying is it, it feels like 
I can't say that it feels like it was made today, but it does feel like it's aged well. And that some of it, a lot of it actually holds up. Even some of the special effects, which are, you know, optical stuff from the mid eighties, uh, like the, the sort of spirit stuff toward the end. And, uh, it still looks right. okay. There's one part that kind of made me when, when Bill Pullman, mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk about the ending? Do we talk? I don't remember. Yeah, can we yeah, yeah. Full, spo- full spoilers. Is anybody yeah. going down that hallway with the jail cells? With the oh, with um, those long arms. Yeah. The long, now I was talking about when he was fighting, um, the character of the um, the police chief guy, yeah, P- Pitrod. Um, P- Pitrod, yeah. something like that. Yeah, Zix Zix Mokai played him. Yeah, yeah. The guy with the guy with the teeth. Yeah. Um, it was in Waterworld. He was in that. He, he yeah. was. I knew. I he, 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 I've seen him in, in things. He, he just was. has a weird look to him. Yeah, he yeah, he, he looked so familiar world. to me, and I couldn't yeah. place I like, him. Oh, that's definitely where I know. Yeah, he was in <laughs> he was in Outbreak, Waterworld, and then Vampire in Brooklyn back to back. And I was like, I was like, that's I recognize him from one of those. I'm sure because yeah. I watched those movies yeah. a lot as a kid. You know, he's he's one of those guys that's he, he's one of those that guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a period of film, eighty five to ninety five. You were seeing him in a lot of things, usually as a heavy. Yeah, um, but I guess in real life he was just an amazing guy and told great stories and had a huge laugh and he was a happy person. And, uh, Jazz musician too. The, the, oh, uh, this really? little sidebar on the I think it's the trailer for the Serpent of the Rainbow on YouTube. Um, one of the first comments is a guy who says he's family to this Zex Mokai guy and it talks about what what a great guy he was and how he's missed and how the Serpent of the Rainbow took so much out of him because he had to go to such a dark place to play this character. Right. And you know, it made me think about what what other actors have had, you know, like essentially trauma from having to go to this dark place to be convincing and, yeah. and so on. I was talking about the uh, the kind of funny moment, though, toward the end, because I like talking about darkness and then immediately talk about funny. Oh, absolutely, sure. yeah. Because, uh, you know, why not shift gears without pushing the question? Um, so... When Bill Pullman and this guy are having the showdown at the end, and the the head, the spirit head of the jaguar or whatever, yeah, appears it's superimposed in the air. over over Bill Pullman, yeah, yeah. Did, have either of you guys seen Hot Rod? With uh, it's been Andy a, a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, I remember. No. I remember. I remember thinking it was really funny, but it's been a while. He summons the spirit of the eagle or the hawk or whatever. Yeah, the, right before he does the big jump. And, <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like my brain went and connected those two things. I don't know. I cannot explain how the synapses work. I just know that they work. Yeah, sure. that's fine. No, I could. Yeah, I could see those. Yeah, the, I, those being similar for sure. <laughs> no, it's kind of like the uh, the. I don't. But the old. She's not a witch, but like the uh, the mummified bride that keeps coming she's back. Not a witch. She's not. <laughs> Right. That's yeah. That's the. Oh, you know, I whether or not she does. That's you know. I know why. Uh, oh, what's the line about Bill Pullman? Uh, I know why he thought you could walk on water because shit floats. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was a great line. I fucking such love that. a good. I was like, I was like, oh, fucking burn. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Yeah, I was like, you got him. <laughs> yeah, if that line got them the R, then it's worth it. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think the the sexy time scene probably. Yeah, I'm sure that was the R. <laughs> but I guess uh, I, I read that Wes Craven was pretty happy with the rating because I guess he was always like fighting back against 
NC-17 ratings. And I guess the first time they went before the MPAA, they put it, they gave it an R. So Wes Craven was like, oh, good. Okay, good. No, that's fine. You know? <laughs> Uh, I thought it was going to be way worse. Yeah. I thought, I thought, oh, I don't have to cut anything? Oh, okay. Okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. You guys sure? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there are some moments in this that have stayed with me. I mean, the, the needle that goes into the guy's eye. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, we've, I, think we've, I think we've talked in the past about watching stuff when you're way too young to have watched it. I think Prince of Darkness, we talked about that. Because I was maybe 13 when I saw that movie. Uh-huh. Um, and I was Prince about the same age. Yeah. Um, I was about the same age when I saw this. And my dad was... My parents were never really um, that worried about violence or horror when it came to renting stuff and bringing it home. Yeah. Um, now, if it had a gratuitous sex scene in it or if a lot of F-bombs, for whatever reason, they were sensitive to that. Um, That's a lot of explaining that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there were certain movies that were just, we weren't going to watch them. And then there were other yeah. movies like this one we watched as a family. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I think we did. I think Dad did fast forward through the, the sex scene, but uh, <laughs> but you know I'm watching it at, at age 13, and and this is like a formative time, and and I'm remembering you know the the, the Bill Pullman lying in the in the coffin and it filling up with raspberry jello or whatever. Right. It was cool. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> and and the the moment the the tarantula, whatever the spider, I don't know if it's a tarantula or not, but um, the spider that uh, Petrod was dropped in. The, yeah, like and it like steps right behind, right next to his eye. Like ah, you know. I think, I think that was someone with like with like chopsticks with spider legs on the ends of them. <laughs> like, Yo, you think you that's know, how they did it? I think that's how they did it. I, I mean, maybe it was convincing. It was either way. It's uh, one, and I love like looking back on the movie. They're so. I mean, they they really plant the seeds of him being buried alive. I mean, at the beginning, he has that like yeah. fantasy of getting dragged into the ground. And then when they meet the guy, the the zombie, uh, Christophe Duran, he like jumps out and scares him and he like falls into a grave. And then, Corey, Corey, what's the it? entire fucking movie poster is Bill Pullman, Bill Pullman's face in the line below it is like, don't bury me. I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm still, yeah, yeah. No. Well, but I was. Well, the the point I was getting to is like, there's a lot of stuff in this movie to be bothered about, and like, and just people's fear in general, like fear of snakes, sure, fear of spiders, okay, fear of heights, whatever, like all that kind of shit. But like being buried alive, no, absolute no, thank you. Like that's I I can't think of a worse thing than being buried alive. Like and that shit's happened. Being, I mean, yeah. Being being cremated alive? I don't know. I guess then it would be pretty quick. The, yeah, I think I would prefer that. I would prefer that. I would prefer being cremated alive to being buried alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Because remember, they, they would have like, was it during the Black Death in graveyards, they would have like a little like bell on yeah. like a, a pole that would go right down to your coffin? Yeah. And you'd well, like ring it like you wanted tea or something? Yeah. Well, because, and because back then I think they didn't have like the instruments we have now. Right. So it was like a doctor, like putting his, both of his right ears to your chest, you know, being being like, I don't know. I guess he's dead. I, he, he sounds pretty dead. Put him in a box. I don't know. (laughs) Was that your Ray Romano impersonation? I don't know what I was doing. I just, (laughs) it was nothing specific. It was just a voice that came. came. I don't, put, put him in a box. Uh, put a bell on it. I don't know. <laughs> Surprise Ray Romano. You didn't know you could do it. 
it's amazing. Yeah, it was a Ray Romano <laughs> jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you though, speaking of uh, the scares in it, uh, the stuff that sticks with me that still freaks me out. If I'm ever talking to somebody about this movie, um, and if I were like describing what this movie is, is all about, and you know, as soon as you talk about it, this guy goes to Haiti to research voodoo because there's this medicine that they don't understand how it works and they're trying to figure out, you know, this guy goes to, but when he gets there, he realizes he's blundered into, you know, this, this sort of conspiracy and, and there are people that are stepping out of the shadows and blowing dust in your face (laughs) and you wake up, you know, 12 hours later kind of stuff and you're buried alive like that. Um, The fact that, you know, somebody could just step out of the shadows and blow powder in your face and that be the end of you uh, is just bone chilling to me yeah. even today. Like, you know, you wake up and you're in a casket with a spider. Yeah. Oh, well, wasn't uh, uh, I do not, I don't recall what I'm, I'm barely popping a memory right now, but wasn't there like a couple, somebody in the Philippines was assassinated by somebody yeah. just came up to them and like blew powder on them or something. Yeah. Uh, and you're talking about, me... go ahead. Sorry. That's uh, Kim Jong-il's brother. Yes. That sounds right. Yeah, something like um, that. So a woman came up to him in an airport and yep. wiped um, VX on his face. I was think that, it was VX. Is that what it was? She okay. thought, that chick thought she was on a prank show. What? Yeah. I'm gonna, dude, I'm going to have to read in because I barely even remember this at all. That's what, that's what, at least that's what initial report said was she didn't, she thought she was like doing a prank. Really? Like, they, got, they got this random person to do it. Oh my god! I may have dude. said I may have said Kim Jong Il. It was Kim Kim Jong Un's brother. Okay. Um, and his twenty eight year old Vietnamese woman in Kuala Lumpur International Airport. Okay. Uh, wiped VX on his face. That's fucking uh, wild. Yeah, just like out of yeah. the. I mean, I guess you know it's like same effect with a gun. Just pop out, boom. But but yeah, still. There's something so sinister though about just like all you do is you blow something a dust from your hands like right. in that movie. And I don't think in the airport it was like that. Yeah. But just that guy that just blows that yellow dust, and then Bill Pullman like stumbles around. He falls. Remember he falls. Did you guys notice like the stunt double as he falls down the stairs? Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. Just, Because he already looks like pretty dead looking. They 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 made a stunt double which like they they caked on a bunch of white makeup on his face right to make him look extra sickly and he tumbles (laughs) down. Well, there's another scene uh, with another obvious stunt double when he's after he's been tortured and he's driven back and they dump him out of the back of that truck. Uh, Okay, I had to rewind it a couple times because I thought did Bill did Bill Pullman really do that? Because it that part actually convinced me. Uh, but you don't see his face, and there's a quick cut, and yeah. okay, there he is, and you know they do with his stunts. Yeah, Some, somebody does the big part, and then <laughs> then he the jumps in, jumps like, into oh. frame. Oh man, that was a tough tumble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Haitian Haitian torture sucks. Uh, yeah, what, what they, they, they like spiked his balls, spiked his scrotum. Yeah, and I had to like go back because they don't really show it, and I was like, did they just put it in his leg? No, and, like I really found it, and it was like, well, well, they well, don't show it. I they don't they they don't say it, but then later he's like, "Oh, it was just through the scrotum. I'm intact." Like he has to say it through his like, you know, his like a uh, film noir narrative. <laughs> so the audience knows, like, okay, he can still like, right? He they, can still like procreate with this lady. Yeah, yeah. they just got the scrotum. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's one like, thing that it, 
around a lot. I'm like, man, the dude has a torn scrotum. Yeah. <laughs> he still has some action-y scenes after that. should <laughs> be picking the guy up and launching him across the room. Yeah. It's he burst something open. Oh, no. When he tore that, when he threw that guy, he definitely ripped his scrotum a little bit. There's a little... Well, that was- that was when he had the power of the cheetah or whatever, though. So that's, oh, yeah, he had the jaguar like, power. Suddenly, they don't show it on camera, but suddenly, like, like a misty, like, apparition, like, like puts it together again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he had a dream where somebody came and, like, fixed his scrotum. Or what's the character's name? Cillian? Oh, I don't know. The, the driver? He, like, it just is a ghostly apparition of his hand cupping his balls and like holding them in place. <laughs> it's, it just, it, but it's that magic touch though. That you get. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. It comes the out of the touch. soup. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, oh, that's another thing I noticed. In the, that's in uh, the sequence where he's being pulled down into the ground in his first. That was good during, during his first hallucination. One of the hands comes up and just full on grabs him in the junk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was I, I was going to make a joke about that, but then I was but then I thought maybe it's an allusion to. Maybe it's like foreshadowing the fact that he gets staked in the junk. Oh, I saw something. Whenever he goes down that weird, like, kooky hallway of cells, and there's the big, long arms, he runs into one, and I swear to God, one of the fingers goes in his mouth. <laughs> oh, really? I, I didn't notice. <laughs> it's, it's like, this is so... I don't this, think he meant to do this, it. It was just this like, is, <laughs> This is so fucking random. Have you seen that internet video? It's like people at a Halloween store. And somebody has a glove on and it's like very long, scary fingers, right? And like their, awesome. their friend is looking at it and they just like ram the whole thing down the person's throat. Oh my god. Ouch. <laughs> but no, I thought, yeah, that's that's a scene we definitely have to talk about, the the getting the spike through the scrotum. And then but then I thought it was funny, the payback at the end. When he like when he finally gets Petrod in the he gets his Jaguar powers and, and gets the, the villain in the chair. He just like the spike flies up, it like levitates over the guy spinning in the air, and then just like shoots directly into his junk. Like it's obviously because they show where it is, it obviously just impaled his whole shit, you know? Oh my god. <laughs> You're right. The way it spins in the air, it's like you know what, you, audience? You know what's going to happen. Know, <laughs> we know what you want. It's coming. <laughs> well, there's a there's a combination of of things that were foreshadowed earlier. The way that he goes out, you know, he's being pulled into the floor, which is an echo of Bill Pullman, his first hallucination, being pulled into the ground. Yeah. The spike going into the junk. Um, the um, I felt like there was a third one there that uh, it's suddenly eluding me, but. Um, of course, he had come back, and he he was you know third degree burns all over, uh, but I don't think there was anything like that in in Pullman's hallucinations. But there's just there's just so much imagery in that film that has stuck with me over the years, and every time I watch it, it's it's surprising what comes back, and you know something that scared you when you were a kid, you watch it again sometimes, and it doesn't do anything because you're you're grown up, you know, yeah. the same things don't scare you, but. Um, this is one of those rare movies that, it, to me, is just as unsettling as it was, you know, when I was a kid. Not maybe not just as unsettling, but this those specific scenes that kind of freaked me out as a kid still hit. Um, they just kind of hit me a little differently now. Um, but you don't forget, you know, a nail into the or a spike yeah, into the junk, <laughs> or you, you know, you don't yeah. forget a snake shooting out of a skull's mouth. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Or, or, and I think she wasn't it the the woman who like she pulled her jaw down, and then yeah. and then like that's yeah that whole the whole well and then somebody this I think it was a YouTube video I watched somebody mentioned that the the torture scene with the spike through the scrope was reminiscent of James Bond in Casino Royale where he's like tied up and they were, they were wondering if maybe that was an inspiration. And I, I don't know, but it's certainly reminiscent. I think, you know, I mean, I mean he's not getting a spike and he's getting whacked in the balls. He's not getting a spike through the scrope, but you know, he's even like yeah. hit it that hard. Like the guy's like, ping. well, he's, <laughs> well, he's whacking it from underneath. <laughs> he's, he's... Well, it's a big knot on like a, on this huge, dock rope or whatever it was that uh, it was the knot that was doing the work uh, and of course when you're sitting the way he was sitting where there's no no seat, seat. yeah um, the part that's hanging down yeah is, see I, I'd, I'd still take that over being buried alive but just barely you just know? barely being okay yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man but there's no, really I... a lot to this film that uh, that I I'm glad that we were that, that nobody had picked it. I'm glad it hadn't come up because um, there's stuff in here that even the title is is just one of the cooler titles of of a horror film I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, the rainbow. It, well, it, and and I've got to tell this is only tangentially related, but like this, just the the order we're recording episodes and the way they'll come out. This episode is going to come right in between. Uh, we're doing Anaconda with Mookie and Kelsey. And, and, uh, with a buddy of ours, we're doing Stephen King's The Mist, which is, you know, where would you see a rainbow, but in the mist. So right on either side of the rainbow and the serpent, we're getting, uh, The Mist and, and Anaconda, which, uh, just to me, I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's really, that's really fun. Another, a, a little bit of trivia here. Um, I think the first movie that I saw Bill Pullman in, in the nineties mm-hmm. was that movie While You Were Sleeping. With oh. uh, Sandra Bullock and Peter Gallagher, I think. I don't know if I, I don't think I saw that. A little romantic comedy. Um, Bill Pullman asleep, I believe, for most of the film, or maybe Peter Gallagher was the one. Oh, because he's he's in a coma or something, right? Yeah. So okay. maybe I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there was some yellow dust involved in while while you were sleeping, but uh, a little <laughs> bit of a connection there. Like, I try to make connections where I can. Right. Is that the one where they drop the feral predator in there while he's sleeping? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, in the- in the middle of a day, they're just like on a date at an Italian restaurant. He's like, hey, "I recommended the linguine," you know, and then the pre- <laughs> the predator just drops in. <laughs> as you do, as you as do, it's, as it's expected, and people will watch that. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch uh, the shit out of it. Yeah, especially right. if you set it in feudal Japan and put a walrus yeah. in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a romantic horror comedy. Yeah, and then the samurai runs up and he's like, "I I guess he's dead. I don't know. Uh, put him in a box." <laughs> Samurai 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 Romano. Romano. I don't know, guys. This helmet doesn't fit so well, guys. I'm not doing any more Kurosawa films, you guys. Oh, I I failed my master. I'm a Ronin now. (laughs) Samurai Romano? Ronin. I don't know. There's something, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I'm better when I have a few moments to think and then type it in a comment. Uh, <laughs> no, it's... oh, but man, no, but I found like 
I he has a huge sword that just made out of like a big like uncooked lasagna noodle. <laughs> yeah, just sharpened like the edge has just been like filed down. <laughs> There's like scenes of him doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, set to real dramatic music. Yeah, and you got to do it where it's like over a fire, and he's got to hammer it a bunch of times. And you got the sausage, the peppers, and the onions. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> But no, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, and anytime you see a movie that's like inspired by real events, anything, you know, you got to take that with a huge grain of salt. Um, yeah. But I, th- I thought it was cool, like reading a little bit about the, I guess it's based on a book called The Serpent and the Rainbow by, am I getting that? Yeah, Serpent and the Rainbow by uh, Wade Davis, who was actually an ethnobotanist uh, who went to Haiti to investigate a situation of a guy. His name, the real guy's name was Cl- uh, Clervius Narcisse. Um, but it, but it was a real guy who claimed it has to, to do with the puffer the puffer fish. I think was that like the well that's that the, thing has like the big like anesthetic, right? Yeah, it's called it's uh, tetrodotoxin is is, and I guess there's some debate in the scientific community whether that's actually what's used in zombie powder or not. But what it, like regard whatever it is like. I, you know, it's, it's, where's the line between reality and fiction, but, but if, you know, if they know a formula for some kind of powder or something that can put you to sleep, make you look dead so that you get buried and then they dig you back up, like, and then there's some debate, like, it, then do, are there additional drugs they give you? Like they were talking about, I, I was reading stuff about, uh, plants in the Detura family that maybe they keep giving you to keep you kind of in this like stupefied zombie state, but but I was thinking about it and, you know, thinking about voodoo as a religion. And, and I mean, this is the basis on which like hypnotism works, or you see those videos of, of Christians in the U S like speaking in tongues or falling down the floor roll, you know, the preacher like taps them on the head and they fly across the stage. Like, you know, people who believe and want to believe will go along with things. And man, like if somebody blows powder in my face, and I experienced getting buried alive and dug back up out of the ground. And I'm already the kind of person who, who like kind of believes in like zombies and that kind of shit. Like I could totally see like creating a person whose mind is so broken that they're just like, Oh, I'm a zombie. Now I like, I just got to do what this guy tells me. He's got my soul. I'm a fucking zombie. Like I got, I'm, I got to go along with this. Like I, that's to- like, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility, you know? Right. He's got yeah, my yeah. Gatorade bottle on his shelf. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's got electrolytes, you know. <laughs> it's like a mason jar with like a like a cloth. Of, I don't know. It, it, yeah, yeah. You're, you got like um, I think Gatorade bottle actually would be a better visual, but. Ah, um, <laughs> jeez. Oh, I think when you're dealing with well, this is something that may be opening a can of worms, but uh, Corey's got my back on this. I think. Um, you can see throughout world history where, um, you know, poor populations, where education, where literacy uh, is not really a thing. Um, these are folks that are often very susceptible to uh, persuasion. Right. And, uh, you know, if you work hard and behave, you will get your eternal reward kind of stuff. And, you know, and you can see flashes of this in cultures all over the world in religions all over the world so i'm not just picking on one religion here um religion has been used for centuries as a way to control people yeah um, and that that's not to say that it's 
you know, I'm not going to go to the place where I'm saying, you know, you shouldn't believe in any religion because if you believe in something and it makes you, um, if it, if it helps you, if you can get through life, um, if, if the day to day or the big traumas or whatever awful things have happened in life, cause life does that. Um, if religion helps you, I will never begrudge people. If you've found a religion that, that suits you and how you believe and how you feel about things. But we also have to wrestle with this idea that world leaders for hundreds of years have used religion to control the masses and Haiti's no different. Um, yeah. The, the, the sort of being able to persuade people, manipulate them, uh, threaten them. Uh, and, and some of it's bunk and some of it, I don't know. But when I see things, you know, we talk about the guy that, that the real guy, the real story where the guy was, well, I think for 10 years, he, he supposedly died, but then resurfaced 10 years later and he'd been forced to work uh, in a sugarcane field, I think. Okay. Or in a factory or something. Um, in, in, a, in a different town. Is it the guy from the, from the, the book, The Serpent and the Rainbow? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that guy's name, Clairvius Narcisse, I think, was the real guy. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the guy that disappeared for about a decade. And when he resurfaced, he had been he'd been forced into labor. Yeah. Uh, sort of laboring somewhere, I'm not sure. Uh, and I think I want to say it was a sugarcane thing. This is something else that's covered in that Curse Jones episode. They interview Wade Davis uh, in great depth in that. And he talks about how the film departs from the book and how when he finally saw the film, he wasn't... Uh, like he, the guy has no relation with horror films. I guess he does. You know, he makes the joke that he does now, kind of thing. But he, he's not much of a horror film fan. Yeah. Um, and and he thought that you know Wes Craven was going to try to make a, uh, as I understand it, anyway, that Wes Craven was going to try to make a serious film out of this, like with like a bi- biographical kind of thing, almost. Kind of, yeah, with some horrific elements, but the horrific elements are exaggerated. The jump right. scares are in there. The guy thinks the jump scares are kind of a little cheap, um, but you know, Craven ended up being pretty happy with the film himself. Yeah, and it's of course it's different from the book. That's adaptation for you, you know. Right, I mean? Yeah, I, um, you're you're taking something that was a book, turning it into a film. Like you just changed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, unless yeah, unless the movie is just like showing the book and turning the pages one at a time. Like that's the only one-to-one adaptation you're going to get from a, but that's funny. <laughs> but not, I, I mean, I love a film that, that stays true to what's in the book. I love it when they can do, um, gosh, what was it? The, the, the first Harry Potter film is the one that the first thing that comes to mind is how, how closely it used to the book. Yeah. The philosophy. Um, but even then you've got Harry whatever. Potter fans that, um, that will kind of nitpick at things, you know, Hagrid's house is actually over there. Kind of, I don't know what it is, but um, you could, you just have to hew closely to the spirit of something. Yeah. And how we think about spirit uh, or the original author's intent or the, the mood of the book or the themes that come up in the book, how do we hew closely to those things? So that when we make this new thing that is based on a true story, based on a novel, based on whatever, it's still based on it, but we took some liberties with it because this is new art and it's in, inspired by. Thing. Yeah. Um, I think, it, 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 of course, they change the names and they embellish a few things. And, and you know, I, I don't know that there's any real. Um, I've been saying cheetah. Should I say leopard now? 
I think it's. <laughs> I'm just gonna start naming all. Just the big what? A, yeah, cats. Puma. Said Puma. <laughs> as long as I don't say the actual one. Right. Yeah. Mountain lion. Yeah. The mountain lion. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go through the Apple operating systems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From like 15 years ago, Leopard. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. You now, have to make I, some changes, and you have to embellish. And that Wes Craven is. It, it, this is another thing that I want to make sure to say is look at his career and look at how many just amazing horror films he made over the years and look at what he did to, to break ground. Uh, but then to sort of, um, he would break ground on, on films like uh, last house on the left and, and the Hills have eyes. And, um, but then, you know, jump ahead to what is it, 1996 or so and scream comes along and just sort of, like not only does it make fun of a lot of the things that Craven himself yeah. um, was, was kind of reacting to in the early part of his career. Um, but it's, it, 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 it lampoons it, but it also sort of rewrites it. And, you know, a bunch has been written. On the screen. Well, yeah. And it's, it's an effective version of the thing it's trying to lampoon. You know, it's, it's not, it's not just uh, a commentary on the horror genre. It's also, a valid entry into the horror genre, which I think, and I, and I think it's really interesting. And I want to go back. I want to cover on this podcast too. I haven't watched it in years, but Wes Craven's new nightmare. It feels like that was kind of the prototype for like, he was playing with a lot of these ideas and, you know, as far as like thinking on a meta level and making commentary about the horror genre. And I feel like new nightmare was kind of the prototype for, what in what he ended up doing it with Scream, if that makes sense, you know. You can go from New Nightmare to um, to the Scream franchise, and then if you want, we've already talked about Kevin Smith. You can jump over to the Jay and Silent Bob movie, mm. uh, the first one, where you, there's a movie within a movie kind of thing. Uh, it, it, it's it's telling that there's a lot of movie within a movie stuff in in that '90s jump because we'd only you know you can only do hack and slash so long before people want to see something else right and, uh, before and before the people making it want to make something else because after a while it's like all right I, yeah all right we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna put jason in space yeah. <laughs> yeah what are we gonna do with this one i don't know fucking uh put him in space shoot him into space i don't know we're gonna put jason in feudal japan i don't know <laughs> why does it not work for jason but it works for the predator i don't know that's a good question. You know what? Maybe because space isn't a specific, maybe it's not specific enough. You know, it's not, it's not like feudal Japan, feudal Japan. You know, you've got samurais, you've got, you've got, you know, you've got Ray Romano. We, you know, but space, yeah. space is so open-ended, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> they've got all these noodles that are too, they're too small. What are the, what are the wide noodles? <laughs> Noodle Japan. Noodle Japan. Noodle Japan. Noodle Japan. Yeah, Noodle Japan. Samurai Ronen. No. Ramana. Ramana. Ramano. Oh, man. Well, my own bad dad jokes. Um, a couple things I, I, I saw a couple YouTube videos today, which 
I, I think this movie's great. I obviously wouldn't change this movie, but I thought if you were doing a remake, I a, a couple people brought up a couple points that I thought were really interesting, which is another way to do this movie would to keep would be to keep the uh spiritual, like the supernatural stuff ambiguous as to whether it were actually supernatural or not because of for the most of the movie a lot of it happens in bill pullman's dreams and then you don't actually know is there really something supernatural going on or is it all just like superstition and influence and manipulation and you know so i think it could be fun to see a movie where you're not sure if there's a supernatural side and then a different guy said this but i thought this could be fun to merge into one movie um where he would he was saying he would have liked the movie to end when Bill Pullman is screaming, don't let them bury me. I'm not dead. And then him getting buried alive. And then the movie just ends there, which I thought, I thought would be really like a dark ending. I thought it would be cool. And then you don't have all that supernatural stuff that happens afterwards. Yeah. Uh, you, so I don't know. I would kind of like to see a version of this movie where you're a, you're not sure if this stuff is supernatural or just, uh you know closer to reality and then it ends on bill pullman being buried and then black that's it cut to black you know Oof. is that your head can uh sure no (laughs) 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 oh man that's dark i feel like that's um it's it's similar in a way to, to jacob's ladder in that you know yeah is he is he dreaming is he hallucinating some of the stuff is otherworldly. He's seeing demons. Um, and then we, we get the reality at the end. But I, I don't know. Uh, there's another film, that you, the, what you were talking about there, where uh, it's, it's not sure whether he's hallucinating the whole time or not. I feel like there's another film that, that does that, and I can't remember what it is. Uh, but you're just, you're just not sure what's reality and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah, man, I feel. I'll remember that well after you stop recording. Yeah, (laughs) that's like I feel like I I'm like oh yeah I've seen plenty of movies like that but now I'm like struggling to, I mean you know Twelve Monkeys is kind of like that but I think you kind of get confirmation at the end which way it goes. Um, I I, man I love the movie Brazil but I haven't seen it in years so I should I I need to watch Brazil again. Yeah. Um. But then also I was, I was looking, I really, I kind of got down into a rabbit hole as far as like the Papa doc, baby doc, like, uh, the leadership of Haiti and, and them being like, uh, you know, baby doc fleeing and living in France for years and then going back to Haiti and getting arrested. Um, but I, I looked up his it's dude. It's so funny to me that his, the woman he was married to and both of his children, like they're on Instagram. They're just like people living their lives now, doing their own shit. And I, I swear to God, his daughter Anya Duvalier, uh, Duvalier, uh, I found some link that claims she was trying to be a rapper at some point called J Pimp. So, so Baby Doc's daughter, <laughs> uh, at one point uh, apparently was a rapper named J Pimp, which is just hilarious to me. I don't know. She's my, she's the same age as me. She's born in uh, born in eighty four. I thought that was interesting. That's wild because you were going to be a rapper called J Pimp, right? I was. Yeah, she stole my she she stole my <laughs> shit. <laughs> but no, I thought you may have but, more, more street cred than you though. I mean, uh, yeah. It wasn't like Papa Doc. Wasn't Papa Doc one of the guys in Eight Mile? 
Oh, I think they, I, yeah, they, one of the guys did go by Papa Doc. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that, and that was what, like, I knew about Papa, before I saw this movie, I knew who Papa Doc was. I mean, he's a well-known dictator of Haiti and, um, but it's fucking wild to me that his son, baby doc, like his ex-wife and his kids, like his surviving family, like they're just on Instagram now posing. I, and I went, I was looking like baby doc's son was like posting pictures of his baby and his mom who was Papa doc's wife is like, Oh my cute little babies. Like emoji, 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 like smiley heart emojis. And I was like, they're it's, it's just weird to me that these people are just, I don't know, living, living life. Uh, it's interesting. It's weird. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. They just, they sort of have a, a almost normal, but it's not. Yeah. And, and it looks like, you know, and who knows what kind of, and to some extent they have to still be living off of, cause I read about, you know, baby doc was trying to get his $4 million from the government of, of Switzerland. He was trying to get his money released from the banks and Haiti wanted a claim to it. They were like, oh, that's really our money. He stole it from the people. And baby doc was trying to get those millions of dollars. And that's probably why he went back to Haiti. And so he, uh, you know, whatever he's dead now, but his family, it's just weird to think of these like children of a cruel, brutal dictator. Like, uh, yeah. they're just out there like living their lives now, you know? Yeah. Wow. Well, you don't ever really think about the most of the cruel, brutal dictators in history. Uh, well, not most, but many of them, they didn't have children uh, that we know of anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's been speculative stuff. The boys from Brazil did a did a fun speculation on, you know, what the, what if they'd cloned Hitler? Right. Uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I love that, by the way, sidebar, because I, I, I love sidebars. I love that there's an Archer character that is supposedly one of the boys of Brazil. Um, Krieger? Is that right? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, anyway, it, it, you don't really hear a lot about, like, Pol Pot's family. Right. Or, you know, did Pol Pot have kids? You know, I maybe, probably. Um, isn't, isn't there some study that, like, did, get, we're all related to Genghis Khan or something at this point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you go far enough, far enough down the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, maybe, I mean, he's not, you know, Genghis Khan is not the, quite the, you know, uh, it's, it's a little different. You know? little, little, little further removed, you know. Yeah, we're not talking about a, a, a dictator necessarily. We're just talking about a conqueror or whatever. Right. And, I don't know, you just don't think about where they, what, what happened. Usually, like, Hitler's story is over in the bunker. Right. And there's no... As far as I know, he doesn't have children. Um, uh, I don't know. I'd have to look into that. I feel like he does have descendants. Uh, or, or does he have children? If, if they were descendants, they're like nephews Did or something. Did Hitler or... have children? Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the bottom of this. Corey's asking his own children this, by the, <laughs> the thing, The things we ask Siri. Yeah, I'm like, hey, you guys are in school, right? Are we finding anything? No. Did not have children. Okay, maybe he didn't have kids. Well, I think he he may have had extended Niece, family, though. nieces and nephews and shit. Sure. Um, and so there are it was like weird that we killed Osama bin Laden and then we dumped him in the ocean. <laughs> like, right? They just dumped him in the ocean. Just, I don't know. Dumped him, the fucking dumb in the ocean. <laughs> wrapped him up in noodles. <laughs> they wrapped him up in noodles and they put him in the ocean. Right, but then they raised it. But then they raised him back, and now he's a zombie. That's right. It's that powder man. Yeah. Well, no, you know, I not too long ago, 
uh, I came across. She's an aspiring pop star uh, who's like putting out music and stuff. And she happens to be the granddaughter of Rupert Murdoch. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, News Corp, the dude behind Fox News and all that. Uh, and I, I commented something. I was like, uh, I don't know. There was like a, a shooting the day before where I, it might have been right before, right around the time of Uvalde, actually. I think it was. And I was like, uh, I was like, yo, you should tell your grandpa to stop uh, to like fire Tucker Carlson uh, since he's putting out these these ideas of white replacement and encouraging people to like murder 40 kids at a time. Like maybe you should tell your grandpa to cut that shit out. And uh, and she messaged me. She was like, yo, yeah, I agree with you. Like if I had any sort of pool, like I, I'm so sorry, I feel bad. And then I felt bad. I was like, yeah, you're just fucking granddaughter. Like I'm I was like, I'm sorry. For like putting that shit on you, you know, you're just, you're just like some fucking person, you know. You said that. Yeah. Nice. I, I did. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think the impulse is is to say, you know, put a word in so and so's ear, you know. Yeah. You, know, you really, you know, control your family. Like, come on, like I, that's the impulse. But then you, a little bit later, it's like, no, I, I can't even. Yeah, I can't. You know, I, I've got, I, I can't get my dad to vote differently. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and whatever, that's every, every family dynamic's a little different. I just don't know. I can't even fathom being connected to somebody with that much power. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whether it's, whether it's Papa Doc or Rupert Murdoch <laughs> or Papa Murdoch. <laughs> right. Um, Who was on the A-team, right? <laughs> he was. <laughs> wow. Howling mad. Uh, HM, HM. <laughs> uh, I can't even imagine. I, I can't. I can't fathom it. I, I don't know. I don't have anybody in my family that's, you know, on that level. Uh, we're just, you know, peasant stock folks who yeah. nerd out over movies, and, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, show our children stuff when they're way too young to watch it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, then one day they're doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> I think the first podcast I did with you guys, I, I gave you like my bio, and then I said all that stuff that led me to this podcast. Yes. Yeah. All the all the all the grad school and my teaching journey and it all led me to this podcast. <laughs> everything just late, late and that's been a running bit for me lately. Is everything? I'll be doing something completely just innocuous. I'll be like slicing an apple or something, you know. Right. Yeah. All the work I did in grad school and all the therapy and you know the people I've met places i've visited people i've loved and lost they led me to this moment here where i'm i'm, I'm chopping this slicing apple. an apple <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just this existential moment what does it all mean yeah. well see I, I like to go yeah even further back like yeah there was the big bang and there was just hydrogen and helium for a long time and then you know you got stars and then they made the carbon and oxygen and shit that would be in my body now and then you know star stuff star stuff and then yeah all of that all of that the whole all of the evolution of earth the bottleneck through genghis khan you know all yeah. of it uh <laughs> leads to me chopping this apple <laughs> <laughs> the bottleneck through genghis khan the genghis yeah. khan bottleneck yes <laughs> Next week is our special Halloween episode, so I know we said on this episode that we were go going to be covering Anaconda, but that'll actually be the following week. Next week, we're covering 1991's 
Ernest Scared Stupid for our Halloween episode. So be sure to check that out. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at Headcanon Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. Yes. No, Britt needs to get going. I do too. Um, So do you guys have uh, any headcanon you'd like to share? I've got another one I could share. Um, But yeah, if you guys want to go first or I could go, doesn't matter to me. Yeah. yeah, sure. What's up, Brent? Mine's about the character Mozart. Yes. So I got, like, that, there's that scene where Bill Pullman gets put in, back into the plane, and they're like, you better leave Haiti. Yeah. And don't come back. So, like, I thought, like, Mozart should have followed him back to America to secure his investment, right? <laughs> right. He's like, you're going to change the world with this. Like, he's on the plane with him. I don't see, like, why he doesn't just, like, just go fly off with him. Like, what's he doing that's so important, you know? Right. So I thought, like, he does fly back with him to America, and he waits. He waits around, like, in Bill Pullman's apartment, like, while clinical trials are being administered. But the problem is he keeps acting like he's still in Haiti. And he, he immediately gets arrested for, like, mishandling bodies and, <laughs> and trespassing at a cemetery. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> He gets in even more trouble uh, in court as his sen- sentence is read. He stabs his lawyer in the balls with a purple Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'd watch that movie too. Yeah. A court, a courtroom drama uh, starring are all about that guy. Louis, Louis, Louis Mozart. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's something to be said about, you know, taking somebody from a country that is different from ours and you know, putting them in our country, and and them marveling over the differences in the cultures and being sort of lost, right? Like crocodile uh, Dundee, fish out no, of it's water. It's almost like if you take a fish <laughs> out of the water that it lives in, <laughs> right? Or and, and you or experience, it experiences the world differently. Right. Or if you take a, a predator off of yeah. the world that he lives on and drop him in. To any situation, you know, I want to see a predator like fish out of water comedy is what I want to see. <laughs> like, like Crocodile Dundee in New York. Yeah, yeah. but but it, he's like he's like here's sir, here's a knife, and he's like does his little clicking sound, and then just his knife shink comes out. <laughs> no thanks, I've got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what what about you, John? Did you have a, a head cannon? So I had some head cannon that I was tinkering with, and I, it, was, it had to do with um, Bill Paxton. Uh, may you rest in peace. Uh, died on an operating table, uh, as I understand it. He went in for surgery and didn't wake up. Okay. And it was, it was tragic and it was awful. Um, and and yet. What if the anesthesia oh, okay. was Mozart's powder and somewhere Bill Paxton is alive? I would I would love to get more movies from Bill Paxton. That I yeah, love dude, would, that guy was so great in everything, yeah. Cause I can't yeah. Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton are like the um Dermot Mulrooney and um Everett Everett uh right? Dermot Mulrooney and um Who's the other guy? Dermot Mulroney and um, Dylan McDermott. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that too, yeah. Um, 
those two guys, they, they're kind of entwined because their names are so similar. Um, Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman um, are just sort of like everyman kind of guys uh, who got, you know, various interesting roles, very great character actors over the years. Some, uh, I, I don't remember if Bill Paxton actually led a movie, a twister, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, Pullman led a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they're, they're kind of connected and I, I I wonder if Bill Paxton, I don't know. It's not the most interesting headcanon, but... <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Sounds when, good to me, man. And you just reminded me, like, like the guy in here, Paul Winfield, the guy who was playing Lucian, uh, I knew this guy looked familiar, and I didn't realize it until afterwards that he was the detective in The Terminator, right? He was the cop uh, who was, like, talking to Linda Hamilton. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's where I know him from. Yeah. Anyway. He's also in uh, uh, Wrath of Khan. He's the... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other guy that gets the SETI eel in his ear, besides Chekhov. Right. <laughs> and ends up yeah. turning a phaser on himself. Uh, I should do That's what you got to do. You got, you got a slug in you. You got a, you got a phaser. You got, you got a, it's like a noodle in there, wrapped around your noodle. <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, and then we'll let get Brent go. And then I got to go, too, because I got to make dinner. But uh, my headcanon is just a quick little scene that we probably missed while uh, Bill Pullman is being staked in the scrotum. Right. He turns, he turns to the, to the villain, uh, Petrod or whatever his name is. And he goes, he goes, this reminds me of a, of a Greek tragedy by Euripides, you know, and Petrod goes, Euripides. And he goes, yeah, Euripides nut. And then Petrod says, I want to hear you scream. I want to hear you scream. (laughs) He has two of the best lines in the I'll take your soul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's so effective. He's so good. (laughs) Both of those lines are in the trailer, and it's enough. It's enough for me to be like, I want to watch it. I'll watch it again. It's a great trailer. Great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we got to get going. But uh, yeah. John King, thank you as always. It's such a blast to talk yeah. to you. We'll obviously have you on again soon. Um, Absolutely. Is there anything you want to plug or point people toward here at the end of the show? Watch The Serpent in the Rainbow if you've not seen it. And yeah. If you can get a hold of the physical copy from Scream Factory, you can check out the making of, and you can check out Cursed Films. I believe it's only on Shutter, but you can navigate to that through various streaming services. I don't work for either of the Scream Factory or the Shutter people or any of that, but as I don't have anything on the docket right now to promote for myself and my own shameless self-promotion sort of way. I'll just promote other people that are cool. Right. Um, and it, and the if Shutter you... folks are good. Um, I don't know how many listeners you have in the greater Indianapolis area, but a friend of mine is the uh, one of the chefs, maybe the head chef at Scarlet Lane Brewing, uh, which is in... There's one in Broderpool and there's one near downtown, and they show horror films every day. All day, and they just really? flip on, turn on shutter, and they just play, and it's great. And they, they you, you can sit and, and have some food or a pint or whatever, and watch a horror movie in a bar. And um, and why wouldn't you do that? And sometimes they could even show the Serpent and the Rainbow. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds man. That's a that's an awesome concept. I would love that. That's a great idea. Yeah, there's a portrait of Sammy Terry on the wall. If you grew up in Indiana, you know who Sammy Terry yeah, is. Yeah, that He's, makes sense. He was our Elvira. Yeah. Up, so. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Well, John King, thank you as always. And uh, and everybody at home, thank you for listening. This has been Head Cannon. <laughs>